0: visit roberthalf.com today
1: should you ever set foot outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner
0: why are they keeping you here
1: starring emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful you are still a prisoner
2: here everything in this new world comes at cost this is still my country. A
0: gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. He is just an obsessive goal scorer.
2: But they have to understand I trust to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back. I haven't, I haven't got a problem
1: with soccer, to be fair. What oh. can to you that they to keep everything
0: and we're live. Welcome out to Champions Shoot Your friends. Drop in your comments and questions in that chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we get stuck into the Champions League round of 16 ties as we round off. The first leg in the house today. We got Nigel Rio Coker over there in Paris. Is our man Jonathan Johnson? JJ, all right?
1: Yeah, doing well. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to uh, to picking through these games. Although to be honest, there was a moment where I was really worried. I think it was after what about like uh, an hour, well, sixty-five minutes, and I was like, one goal between these two games that we're gonna have to dissect. Luckily, everything stepped up a notch for the last uh, twenty or so.
0: Yeah, we had to wake up Nigel Rio Coker in that second (laughs) half. He was a little
2: bit bored with the action that was going on. Nigel, how are you doing, mate? I'm great, mate. I'm great. Looking forward to it. Always a pleasure being with you fine gentlemen.
0: All right, let's power on to it, JJ. Let's talk about Leipzig and Manchester City. As you mentioned, it was an interesting first 45 minutes. We got a goal in that game. Riyad Mahrez with the goal, his 20th Champions League goal. And in the second half, Manchester City didn't necessarily come out to play, JJ. Josco got getting an equalizing goal. Powerful header. Many would say he was leaning on top of the defender to get that goal, but it was a fantastic finish. And we give them credit for equalizing in the game up. Fair result, 1-1? <laughs>
1: I mean, I think so. I mean, I think in many ways, actually, City can be for, can feel fortunate that it was only 1-1. I mean, if you think back to the Heimrichs opportunity early in the second half, it could have easily been worse. I mean, I think what was so curious about this was, it was actually a really good performance, like a proper, clean, professional job from City in the first half, obviously missing Di uh, You know, no Laporte, no stones in defense as well. So, you know, you look at the way that they held Leipzig without a shot, uh, you know, for that 45 minutes and you thought, you know, this is a pretty good away from home performance. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, Leipzig came back into it more and more in the second half. You know, I think Heinrichs, despite the miss, uh, you know, looked very, very interesting in what he brought, uh, you know, for Leipzig. Uh, and I don't think that the, the the equalizer flattered them in the end. I mean, yeah, we can sort of debate, uh, you know, Guardiola getting up that high, but really, uh, you know, it just felt like a matter of time before, uh, uh, you know, before Leipzig, got themselves back on uh, on level terms. And it, it's a strange one. I mean, when you're looking at that City side with all the star names there, you're like, you know, they definitely have the firepower to, to see off this Leipzig team. Yeah, you know, Haaland was pretty much a spectator for the majority of that game. Passenger, if you will. It's, uh yeah, uh, you know, there's a, a a lot to do. And obviously, you'd assume that City will look much better, A, at home, and B, uh, you know, if De Bruyne is is reinstated to the midfield. But for me, it just it underlined just how important the Belgian is, uh, you know, to everything that City try and do. You look at the way that Pep rejigged that midfield. It's, yeah, I mean, didn't quite work out the way that, you know, he planned today. And, you know, not making any substitutions, that is vintage Pep in the Champions League. Very irritating. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I think I can see why JJ and myself have become very good friends since we've uh, started working together. Because, you know, we think alike. JJ made some great points that I was going to make. And like I said, Ian, before we came on air, City were lucky to walk away with a draw there for me because Leipzig could have taken that. I'm just going to give a complete different side of it because JJ pretty much made the same points that I would have made. And I think for me, Leipzig showed City way too much respect. I think if Leipzig were a lot more aggressive in the first half, like they showed in the first 10 minutes of the second half, they could have got this City team. They showed them way too much respect, sitting back. I don't know what the game plan was or why that was their game plan because so far in most defeats that City have suffered, not just in the Premier League, any defeats they've suffered is when teams are going at them. They're not the same City. They're not playing great and comfortably out the back. When you show them that respect, they'll gain confidence because they do have top-class players. And that's what they did in this Leipzig game. But in the second half, when Leipzig actually pressed them high up the pitch, made it uncomfortable for them, They were giving the ball away. And I feel that that, for me, was the big difference of it. If you're going to go against the likes of City, you have to be confident. You have to be aggressive. And I don't think you can show them as much respect as you did, as Leipzig did, in that first half. Saying that, they could have got the equaliser in the first half. I can't forget the player's name um, goes past me. Heinrichs. Heinrichs, who just drags it wide. Never looked confident at all as the ball was coming to him. But again, uh, you've got to give Leipzig uh, a bit of uh, credit for the second half. And I think for me, when you see Unkuku coming on as well, it kind of breeded an extra bit of confidence in the team as well. You can see that players seem to have that bit more belief that it can get back into this game. But for the goal that City conceded, the equaliser, forget the Air Jordan moment because it was a fantastic header. That was absolute Air Jordan at its best. But... Mm -hmm. To no, send Mares out to defend a corner 1v1 and make a half-assed attempt not to get the cross in, it's crazy to me because this is Champions League level. You yeah. have to do everything you can to stop the cross getting in. Mares didn't do that. Mares is not naturally a defen- defender. So to give a goal away of that kind of calibre, it is a bit embarrassing from a City's perspective. And I think that a lot of people have said because of Haaland being at City, they feel that this could be the year that City win the Champions League. I wonder how those people feel now that we've watched all the performances from these teams to see if you feel that City still could be a contender for winning this Champions League. Yeah, I do. I was one of those that said that, Nigel. I still back it up. I still think they win it. Carry on,
0: JJ. How are you doing? go ahead okay. take it over <laughs> I,
1: mean, I think I mean Nigel Nigel raises a really good point as well about Nkunku coming on because let's let's be honest you know if City weren't at full strength neither were Leipzig you know Nkunku adds so much to their game it was obviously a, a real shame that he had that that minor setback in training you know fingers crossed that he can be at full fitness for the second leg because I think that could be really special I mean it finished what 6-3 the last time these two met uh, yes. at he had stadium. so uh, you know fingers crossed we get that many goals in the, uh, in, the in the second game but what I just don't get is when you look at that combination, uh, you know that the Guardiola puts out on the pitch. You've got, as well as Marad, uh, despite his defensive failings, as Nigel was pointing out. You've got Grealish as well. You've got Bernardo Silva. Uh, you've got Gundogan as well. You know who can add a lot of impetus going forward. It really still felt like they were missing, uh, you know, quite a lot of creativity. And I just feel like you know the the sort of vision, uh, you know, the the brilliant passing range that that De Bruyne has. You know, I think when City had that period when they were really controlling the game, they would create more chances that that Haaland could have swept up, uh, you know, had uh, he been on the pitch. And to be honest, I really don't understand Guardiola not gambling and throwing on somebody like, you know, bringing on a Foden from the bench, for example, somebody who I think, you know, could have livened things up or, you know, maybe Alvarez towards the end. I don't know if he... Didn't want to, you know, risk bringing Haaland off, you know, to to potentially start a controversy where you know people start talking about Haaland, you know, not finding the back of the net in a big game like this. But you know, for me, I don't think realistically that we can dispute what Morris brings. Certainly not in terms of goals. I mean, some of the clutch performances we've seen from him in the last couple of years, uh, you know, he's he's beyond reproach there. But sort of in terms of the creativity, it, it just really strikes me as problematic when City don't have De Bruyne in there pulling all the strings.
0: Yeah, just a couple of stats that really stand out to me. Riyad Mahrez, as you see him on the graphic right there, he's the fifth African player to score 20 Champions League goals after Mo Salah, Didi Drogba and Samuel Eto and Zario Mane. Um, and here's a real interesting stat, Nigel. I want to pick your brain about something exactly as to what JJ was talking about there, the frustration in many ways about the way Manchester City approached this game. Bernardo Silva misplaced just one pass in the first half against Leipzig. It was 50 passes, 49 completed passes. Now, we both talked Talked about. Well, you have both talked about the game plan for Pep Guardiola going into this game and also Leipzig in that first half. Leipzig sat back. Leipzig just sat back and allowed Manchester City to pass, 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 pass the ball. It's not easy to break that down. City were waiting for that moment to try and get Haaland involved in the game. I think Haaland at one point, I think 30 minutes into the game, I had a look at his stats and he'd touched the ball six times. I mean, it was miserable watching him perform out there because there was nowhere for him to go. It was very compact, especially in that first 45 minutes. And uh, the game plan pretty much was an interesting one from both sides. Leipzig, defensive-minded. I'm not used to seeing them play that way. You play against Manchester City at some point, Pep Guardiola's team will break you down because they have the talent. And Leipzig realized that. Second half, they started to attack more. As you pointed out, so rightfully so, that teams have success against Manchester City. They attack. And Leipzig did that in the second half. And Manchester City in the second half didn't really have much of an answer outside of the breakaway attempt from Erling Haaland, which he scuffed wide, and a couple of attempts at the top of the box or inside and around the penalty area, which were blocked shots. So in many ways was a nothing game. 1-1, I would say, is probably a fair result here. What is the question now? How did Manchester City approach this second game? Because I believe, Nigel, that Leipzig will go and try to attack and try and win this tie. They've got
2: to. Got no choice now. Ian, if Leipzig had any common sense, that's what they should do. Because they could see the, the rewards of watching that video back of how much of a difference they were in the second half by actually stepping up to City, making them feel uncomfortable and how many opportunities that they had. For me... When I look at City, I look at a team that's not the same confident City we saw three, four years ago. That tells you about City where the fact of Leipzig sat off them. Yes, they have talented players, but they still didn't really look like a team that dominated that game in the sense of chance after chance after chance. Haaland was, Halland was pretty much elusive in that game. And you've got mm-hmm. one of the best finishes in world football right now, you could say. And I said it before. Kevin De Bruyne not playing was a big opportunity for Leipzig because Kevin De Bruyne has the best understanding with Erling Haaland right now in Manchester City. And I think that game there shows it. Regardless of who else they play and however they try and tweak their system, without Kevin De Bruyne's vision and pass quality that he has, Haaland is non-existent. And I think like Jonathan says, you see now how heavily reliant Manchester City are, Kevin De Bruyne and I look at that Manchester City team, and for me as a team, they don't look like a confident team that really believe they can go all the way in this competition. But we could talk about other teams that we've seen already. You looked at what Real Madrid did at Anfield. You looked at Napoli, what they did. They're a team that's confident, regardless of who's playing, who's not. They're going at you constantly, non-stop. I did not see that from City. And I know you said about the stat of Silver's passes. I could have got 50 out of 50 passes in that game. Because no one was coming to close you down. Anyone could pass a ball if no one's closing you down, making it difficult for you. And again, it depends where your passes are going. Are they sideways and backwards passes? Are they affecting the game?
0: No way. You'd have put a few out of play, mate. Even under no pressure, you'd have put a few out of play. Uh, JJ, real quickly, you touched upon it a moment ago about no substitutes. Manchester City here didn't make a substitute in tonight's 1-1 draw with Leipzig becoming the first team to make no subs in a Champions League game since Manchester United back in October 2018 against Juventus. Why do you think that is, JJ? Why do you think that Manchester City... Do you think they were just happy with the way the game was born? You think Pep was just wanting to save his player because of the crazy schedule they've got? I mean, I don't understand why he didn't make any changes and try to potentially win
1: that game. I mean, I think United, uh, you know, setting that previous record in 2018 was just because they had no decent players to send on from the bench. But that's another <laughs> story for another part. It's like, for, for this one, no, to be honest, I I feel it's just sheer bloody-mindedness from, uh, from Pep. Uh, I think if you know, you know, people were talking, I'm trying to remember what the question was exactly in his pre-match press conference, but somebody basically said like, it it was along the lines of just, does Pep think that he'd be considered a failure if he never wins the Champions League once again? I think he's now aware that people are watching and dissecting every single decision he makes in every single one of these games in the Champions League, especially once you get out of the group stage. And I think that if he made a change here, it would have almost been like him recognising that he didn't perhaps get it right in his selection at the beginning of the game, so didn't want to open himself up to that kind of criticism because he does have game-changing talent on the bench. You've got somebody, an explosive forward with great pace like Alvarez, Alvarez, Uh, You know, you've got somebody with the creativity of Foden who, realistically, I mean, although there's major differences in the way that they play, is probably the most similar to De Bruyne that he had available to him without actually having the Belgian on the pitch. So, you know, for me, I feel it was more down to Pep and not necessarily whether or not City have a stacked enough bench. There are definitely players on that City bench who I think could have helped them out in this game. I think it was down to Pep not wanting to be seen to, to be tinkering and perhaps second-guessing himself, which in itself, I guess, is maybe a bit worrying for City and, you know, in their quest for Champions League glory, because those questions get louder and louder every year that goes by.
2: I think, JJ, for me, I agree with you. But when I look at Pep and his history, what he does, he loves it. He loves the fact of everyone talking about him, people like yourselves in the media, in the press, what an ama- amazing manager he is, how he's changed the game with his formations, and what he's brought into football, into this generation. And I think that he does it on purpose because he's always been that way. We've seen it in the sense of that whole Bernardo Silva situation, playing in it right back and then coming into midfield like he's basically evolving the game of football. And now that he's under the spotlight and there's greater scrutiny in everything that he does, I think he regrets it now because now it feels like he's trying to constantly reinvent the wheel instead of trusting the players that you have. And that's the thing. listen, Again, I'll compare it to certain Real Madrid. Ancelotti didn't do anything spectacular. You have top-class players. Ancelotti has a relationship better with his players than probably Pep does. He uses his subs when he has to. They go in there and do their job. There wasn't any super tinkering information formation or changes. They're playing little No, there wasn't. But Pep loves to do that. He overthinks and does things just to try and be diff, diff different. And now it's catching up to him because now these changes that he's making and not affecting the game as well as he thinks he is. And he's being criticized more for it. And now you can see that he's kind of stepping back and being a bit worried about players that he starts with and all that. But he started this, this whole situation for him is something that he started. And at first he loved it because everyone was like, oh, he's the greatest manager of the world, the greatest footballing mind we've ever seen. And now it's not working and backfiring as well as it, it did. Now it's a problem. That's just
1: th- you. I think you're confusing me for James Bench. my
2: bad
0: dog my (laughs) bad interesting interesting way of thinking though Nigel and I'm really intrigued to hear what everybody out there thinks about Nigel's comments right there Um, Matt jumping in saying Leipzig should have won that game damn shame Um, Rafa jumping in saying it's arrogance by Pep not to use substitutes I hope City crash out once again Amy saying I think Manchester City should fire Pep seems like nobody seems happy right now Vic jumping in and saying Dr. Nigel Dr. Nigel once again playing involved but real quickly the goal to equalize things up by Josco guardiola it was his second champions league goal of this campaign also scored against real madrid his only two goals ever scored in the champions league and um, this is a youngster 21 years of age uh look at the header here i mean look how high he gets up here there's no doubt in my mind he used a bit of a leverage advantage there by leaning on the top of the defender and um, but is that a foul nigel i'm sure you've been in that position a few times where someone's come over the top of you and and really just I mean, listen, nothing you can do
2: nothing you can do You know what he did he got up early and at the end of the day, if you know someone's a threat from set pieces like that, with experienced defenders that Man City have, you have to get up early. Even if you don't win the ball, just by the fact of you getting up early might block his vision and he ain't going to be able to jump on you and use you as leverage. So I, you very rarely seen them giving us fouls just because of the fact he went up early. And look, look how high he's soaring. I wish mm-hmm. I could jump that high. I could never jump that high.
1: JJ, foul there for you or no? No, I don't think it is. Uh you know, I agree with uh with, with Nigel on this one. I mean, I think as well, sort of in and around the box, people are maybe a bit too finicky uh, about sort of aerial prowess, more so when it comes to goalkeepers than it does defenders. But, you know, when you, know when, when you have a player who's able to get themselves up in the air like that, almost kind of like Ronaldo-esque, sort of without that sort of floaty half second or second more, um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for it. It's, it's a great skill. And, you know, we all know, uh, you know, how much of a, a threat Guardiola can be. Aerially uh, going forward, as well as being a rock solid defender, uh, I just think it was a very good, uh, you know, headed goal at the end of the day, no less than uh, Leipzig deserved. But uh, you know, I, c- I can see why there's a bit of debate, but I just feel that's again part and parcel sort of of the of the modern game. Like for me, as a football lover, uh, you know, I appreciated that goal. There's put the picture up again because
2: look at Vardio's ass; it's in Jack Grealish's face. That's how high up he jumped. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's Willy Not Orban doing behind running. him, though? Willy Orban, the number four behind him, he <laughs> thinks he's getting the header, but he's got no chance of getting there. Listen, I've been in this position many a time. When a cross
1: comes over, and Nigel, I know you've oh, felt being this one the guy, Being the guy underneath the header of the ball.
0: <laughs> when, you're, when you're as small as I am, JJ, absolutely you're the guy that everybody jumps on top of. But I've been in that position where a cross is just so high, you know you've got to attack the ball early. If you don't attack the ball early and someone is behind you, you're waiting for that contact because if you're backing up, at some point, they're going to come over right over the top of you and get their head on the ball. It's happened to me a couple of times, and it's the worst feeling because you can do absolutely nothing. Someone leaning yeah. on top of you,
2: they have an aerial advantage because they're attacking the ball. Yes. You're 100% right. And let me add my bit to it. In Many times when I was put to do defensive duties in the boxing marking, I know I can't jump. I'm, I'm the only black man you've met that can't jump, which isn't a so <laughs> I <accept that>. But... <laughs> If I knew I was going against someone who was probably better than me aerially, I had to use dark arts to make sure he didn't jump. So if I had to grab a few private areas and pull it down so he couldn't go up and step on a few toes, (laughs) I did that. We didn't have to worry about VAR on TV in our generation. But the one thing is this, is a manager will tell you, because we grew up in that hair dryer treatment generation. If you get beat in a corner or a set piece, the manager's coming for you. So what you used to do is make sure it isn't me that gets beat. I'm not going to get beat. So if I had to grab a few places, I grabbed places, I stepped on toes until they made me stay outside the box because I was better (laughs) at that. But it's the truth.
0: (laughs) Josco Cavardi made 89 touches in this match, the most by a player in a Champions League game against Manchester City. This campaign scoring an equaliser was his only touch in the opposition penalty area. Not a great week, JJ, for English clubs in the Champions League when it comes to the first leg. Um, A lot of games are being asked of these guys right now. Um, The schedule is very tight indeed but they do have the second leg that they can rely on. And outside of Liverpool, you'd have to say that pretty much all the English teams would be a favourite going into the second leg to advance.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, there's all to play for. I think if I was to pick the teams that I'm sort of least confident for, certainly based on what we've seen from them in the first leg, I'd probably say Spurs and Liverpool. But, um, you know, Chelsea as well, you know, could be vulnerable. Uh, you know, we'll see We'll see what Dortmund can, uh, can produce at Stamford Bridge. But yeah, I mean, At the moment, it only really feels like Liverpool is perhaps a a lost cause. But, you know, equally, we're we're not used to seeing Premier League teams, uh, you know, on the receiving end of results in the knockout phase of the Champions League. So, you know, it's shaping up to be quite interesting and maybe, you know, set the the cat amongst the pigeons if, uh, you know, some of these teams do drop out. Well, there's a comment
0: coming in right now, Nigel, before you finish us off here. Uh, <laughs> Nigel can't jump, what a shame, says Ali a, but Matt Osman saying best league in the world. Interesting it,
2: is. Right there. <laughs> it is, Matt. Interesting. <laughs> I'm just going to say this to Matt. Matt, you tell me another league in Europe right now that has such a tense race for the top of the league, for Champions League, and also relegation battle. When you look at the size of Bundesliga.
0: the club, there's so many, what? Bundesliga. Bundesliga has three top three teams are on the same points.
2: Oh, wow. How long did that take to happen?
0: Still happening. You're asking nah, me to...
2: Come on. It's not... Degree degree. Everyone, degree. everyone knows... Everyone knows Bayern Munich are going to have a meeting next week and get their ass <laughs> in gear. All right? So let's not talk about <laughs> Bundesliga because Bayern Munich are going to win that league. But the Premier League, no one knows. And even the top four, no one knows. And you look at the relegation side, come on. From top to bottom, the Premier League is the most exciting. I'm not saying it's the best that they have to dominate winning the Champions League every year. But from a domestic standpoint, entertainment, it's hard to compare.
0: Just to back Matt up right here, for the first time in Champions League, three Italian clubs have won the first leg of the same knockout stage. It is a record for Italian teams. JJ, we're going to head to break. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, You enjoy yourself for the rest of the night. Everybody out there, go check out JJ's latest article between Nantes and Juventus. It's a great game to look forward to. JJ, just a quick snippet, what people can expect from that article and the game in the Europa League.
1: Yeah, really excited about it. Obviously, one of the early kickoffs in uh, the Europa League could make history, Nantes, if they dumped Juventus out. And I think, you know, really just stoking the fire, Antoine Cambori, the Nantes coach before the game, saying this is not a huge game for Nantes. I mean, it is a big game for them, but it's not sort of life or death. This is a very, very important game for Juve because they'll be ridiculed if they lose to a team like Nantes. Whereas he's saying, then we go back to the relegation battle they've got on their hands in Ligue 1 and they're still in the Coupe de France. But he's got a point. You know, Juve, if they lose that, that is a massive, massive blow for them.
0: Yeah, more to come on Europa League a little bit later on in the show. Me and Nigel will go through it pretty quickly for you. But uh, thank you so much, JJ. We appreciate you. We'll see you again next time, most likely on Friday for the draw. Everybody else, stick around. How to Champions. We'll be right back after the breaks as we get stuck into the game between Inter Milan and Porto. The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.
1: The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network.
0: Well, don't miss a second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth—that is, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer, like Lionel Messi, Karim Benzema, Victor Osimhen, and Erling Haaland, as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the beautiful game. All of your soccer needs—from the Champions League to Europa League to Serie A to NWSL and so much more—is available to you on Paramount Plus. You can try one month for free if you'd like by using the code. Welcome back to House of Champions as Ian Joy alongside my good friend and co-host Nigel Rio Coker. Nigel, let's get stuck into this game. Inter Milan with a victory against Porto. It was a goal in 86 minutes from Romelu Lukaku, his fourth goal of the season across all competitions. He started the game on the bench and that's where I want to start with you. Big Rom. We talked about him yesterday on the show. He came on. He had a tremendous impact in this game. I think had it not been for the red card to Otavio, I think Porto would have gone out of there with a nil-nil draw. They played very well, Porto. They probably should have scored in this game, but they didn't. Big Rom decided this game. Lovely header off the post, gets the rebound, fires it into the back of the net. And after the criticism that he's been receiving over the last week about him being overweight, he proves to be the game winner in the first leg here.
2: Well, Ian, my good friend, I like how you say we're good friends because we are, and you owe me a drink. But I remember yesterday when we were discussing this, I did say that the big difference maker could be Roman Lukaku. And a certain colleague of ours made fun and said, no, it's going to be Martinez. Let's go the other way. I said, no, Roman Lukaku could be the big difference maker. I know how much of a force that player is. No surprise. Surprise he didn't start. But again, these are moments where for us as spectators and just like our people in the comments as fans, We don't know what's happening behind closed doors. So obviously they're saying he's not at that fitness level where they want him to be, but he's getting there. But even though he's not there, he's still in that, he's that impactful that if he doesn't do a full 90 minutes, he can have enough of an impact in 25, 30 minutes. And he came and did what was needed and what they expected from him. So for me, I just think that, again, it's hard to deny sometimes some players what they can bring and what they can do When they're fully fit, you know what it's like, Ian. You know, it takes time. And then once you get fully fit and when you know what the player is, the physicality that he brings, the directness that he brings of what he can do running in behind, the strength, there's very few defenders in world football that can handle a fully fit, focused Roman Lukaku. And I said it yesterday that he's going to be the difference maker. And he was. He was the difference maker. He got the winning goal. And it was a fabulous finish
0: as well. On the rebound, he sort of rebounded himself. And um, but real quickly, you know, is it okay for them to criticize his weight in today's game? I mean, we obviously recognize, and he probably recognizes himself, that he still needs to build himself back to match fitness level and of course he can still be an impactful player from the bench so would he have been pissed off that he wasn't starting this game and is it okay for them to criticize a player who is carrying excess weight i mean he's just gone through injury after injury this season hasn't been able to i think if i'm not mistaken that was only his 14th game i think this season all competitions so he's clearly not there yet but when you have a romelu lukaku who can come off the bench and have an impact he played 30 minutes in his game four shots gets the one goal decides the game. That's an impact player right there. And when he does get himself back to match sharpness, you would imagine the Inter might just want to try and keep a hold of him.
2: Yeah, but I think for me, the problem I have is the weight thing. I think if you say he's not at the fitness levels we expect, that's respectable. Players can handle that. Everyone understands what it is. But when they keep talking about weight, and it's not the first time we've seen clubs do it, it's disappointing because similar situation happened in Manchester City with Pep Guardiola talking about Calvin Phillips, about his weight being overweight and fat and coming back from the World Cup. So I think for me, it's again, it's how the information gets in the public domain, who lets that information come out, and whether it's an actual personal shot at the individual or the player. Because these clubs have media personnel all over the place. They know how to handle the media. They know how to let certain information out. That should just be He's not fit or at the fitness level we need him. Nothing should come out about body weight or anything like that because you could be at the right body weight and everything but still not fit aerobically enough to play a game. So, for me, I think it's, it's disappointing that they did that. I look at that as more of a personal sh- shot at him. I think someone did that on purpose yeah. as a personal shot at Roman Lukaku, whether they're looking for a reaction or not. But, again, you know what he can do without him still being fit and that's what he can do. So, um It's disappointing, but I'm not surprised because it's the modern game that we live in sometimes. And if people want to deflect other situations or issues that are going on at football clubs, they will find someone to blame. They will find a a bit of a black sheep.
0: Well, Amy loves Lukaku. She says, I love Lukaku always. Thank you, Amy, as always, for jumping in our comment section right there. We appreciate you. Um, But yeah, let's get back to the game real quickly. I did watch this game. Obviously, as you know, I've got the best guys hooking me up here. I can watch two games simultaneously and I have two sets of eyes. So one on each game. I'm good to go, right? You know what I mean? But at the same time, I will say this portal were very good, Nigel. Wow. I was really impressed with what they did do. Sergio Conte-Sal has something really special going with this team. Take nothing away from what Italian teams have done. And I've actually betted against Italian teams for some reason in this first leg of the Champions League. And I've been stung, as you can see, with it being a record for the three teams winning already in the first legs. Um, But this game was... A fantastic watch. It was end-to-end action. I know it was nil-nil for 86 minutes of this game, but there were a ton of chances. Mehdi Taremi had a couple of great chances. We have to give a lot of credit to the goalkeeper as well, Onana. I mean, he made a couple of saves in this game. I mean, realistically, you have to say, I don't know if you caught it, but off the the, the rebound, he got back up, made a second save, and then a third save, which you thought, this is a 100% opportunity from Taremi. He has to put this in the back of the net. And Onana said, no. This was an unbelievable instinctive reaction from the goalkeeper. Did you catch it, Nigel?
2: No, I didn't catch those saves. I was catching it in and out, and but mostly focusing on the the city oh. game. I don't have I don't have the connections you do at Best Buy for the two TVs yet. It was
0: unbelievable. He made a save. Second save was off the rebound, and you thought, oh, he's going to score. Third time out, it was three yards out, and he put a ball. I mean, I mean, unbelievable save. It was really fantastic.
2: So a lot of credit goes to Anana for keeping them in this Ian. game because it wasn't the only save that he made. Yes. Question for you then. Now you watch that game, how confident are you Inter can go to Porto, a very difficult place, and finish off the job? Because I'm telling you now, it's going to be buzzing in Porto.
0: This is a game that I thought Porto would get something from. They didn't. They, they lost a goal. They were manned down. Um, unfortunately, Otavio got sent off in this game, second yellow card in this game. It was a little bit chippy. It was a fun game to watch. Um, There was opportunities on both sides, but for a large part of this game, I was like, "Wow, Porto are a proper team. They defend well. Their their tackling was excellent. Their timing, positional play defensively. Pepe played today, right? He's 39 years old and 361 days, the oldest outfield players to start in a Champions League knockout stage game. He is the third. Ryan Giggs started at 40 years old and 123 days, and uh, Costa Corta started back in 2005, six, and he was 40 years old in two days. So Pepe, the third oldest player ever to start a knockout game." He was unbelievable. It was incredible watching him. He was flying in for tackles. He was organizing
2: his team. Their midfield that Porto has is sensational to watch. Go ahead. It's just what we said, though. We we said it at the start when we talked about the games uh, last time. We said about how good Porto are. They're going under the radar from back to front. They are a well-oiled team. Great mixture of experience and youth. They can play total football and they can be direct when they need to be. And they play some scintillating stuff at times. So we, we said it. So I'm not really surprised. I think that they're going to get the job done at home. I think they're going to turn this around.
0: I might be with you. I think that Porto can get the job done. They're a difficult team. This was their first defeat in 22 matches as well. Normally on the road, they're very good. Normally they can win games. They didn't. They had a chance. They, they didn't take their chances. And that's what's disappointing. Inter had a couple of great chances as well. Take nothing away from the way Inter played this game. I was really impressed with what they did do in midfield. Uh, Oglu was probably one of my favorite players in the, the game today. He was all over the field. He was dangerous, obviously, on set plays. He had a good free kick that was blocked by the wall. Barella was okay today. Darmian on the right-hand side I thought was very... Very impressive Uh, but the goalkeeper really stood out for me today and then when you have a player like big rom who can come on and win a game for you um you always have a chance so with that lead going into the second leg you would say that inter are a favorite but porto I was really impressed with today, Nigel, so I don't think you're going to be too far away from them going through in this tie. It's a difficult one to bet, so everybody out there, be very careful. Nigel, great stuff as always. That wraps up the Champions League. Uh, we move on to the second legs. Can't wait for it to come back, and we can wrap things up and start to move on to the next phase, the quarterfinals. finals. Um, but before we do, let's talk about Europa League, if you don't mind. I just want to run through some of the big games that are coming up. Not against Juventus. 1-1 is tied right now. Monaco, Leverkusen 3-2 to Monaco with a lead. Manchester United, Barcelona 2-2. Right now it sets Union berlin ajax is nil nil roma are behind by a goal to salzburg they're at home in the second leg ren against Shakhtar. it's 2-1 to Shakhtar in that game psv they've got a mountain to climb against sevilla They're three nil down and then michelin against sporting lisbon is tied 1-1 let's discuss manchester united barcelona Nigel, because this was a game that impressed both of us, impressed pretty much the footballing world. This was the Champions League quality or caliber of a game in the first leg that was played out in Spain um, or in uh, the Camp Nou. Now, what are we expecting from the second leg? Because this is going to be a
2: big game. It's going to be a massive game. And I think, again, for me, I'm going to play with how much of an importance is being a home game. I think the crowd are going to play a big part. Old Trafford haven't had a big game like this in a long time with what's at stake. And right now, as we've said it before, there is a massive feel-good factor at Manchester United, not just because of the players that they have there, but also with this whole takeover um, situation where the fans are a lot more happy. So I think the fans are going to be focused on the football. They've got a manager who absolutely looks like he knows what he's doing, who's, who's been sensational in how he's transformed such a chaotic club in such a short space of time. So I look at Marcia, Marcus Rashford scoring again. I can see him getting another goal at Old, Old Trafford. And I think the fans are going to play a real big part. Barcelona, for me, a great footballing team. You know you know what you're always going to get from Barcelona, playing football the right way. But again, I just feel they're lacking that punch, that knockout punch that comes with all the beautiful, game, the beautiful football that they play. And I feel Manchester United have that knockout. They really can be lethal when they need to. And I think it's just going to be another cracking encounter. I really do. And I can see Man United getting the job done at home just from the fact of being at home. Well, Vic is jumping in the comment section and making a really good point
0: right here. Busquets, Xavi and Pedri not available for Barcelona. And there's question marks also for Dembele. So they're missing some key players here. Barcelona, Xavi is suspended in that game. Barcelona have lost, what, two of their three Champions League games this campaign then being knocked down to Europa League to this point. But Manchester United, as you talk about here, I want to get back to Rashford in just a quick second to touch upon the form that he's in. But right now at home, as you talk about the impact that Ten Hag has with Manchester United, they're really solid at home. They're doing well in the Premier League. They're now challenging for maybe even a second place finish and maybe even challenging for a title. So who knows how this Premier League is going kind to of finish off, as you mentioned. It's so exciting. But they're 17 games unbeaten at home, Manchester United, right now. Now, that's been a long time since we've said this about a club like Manchester United. We know that they've been under a ton of pressure from the media, from their own supporters, a lot of disappointment there with the the transfers that have come in, but also the movement of coaches without having that one that has full control of United. I recognize Manchester United's DNA once again with Ten Hag. Yeah. I feel like he's given them a real identity, which is awesome to see. You can see him the way he came off the field after that last game, just spurring the the, the fans on, just like he has a connection with the supporters that we've not seen from a manager with Manchester United fans in such and such a long time. Uh, they've won eight of the nine games played across home games in 2023 alone. And the consistency is back. But to your point, Marcus Rashford, here's a stat for you. And I want to know why he's playing this well. Rashford has now scored 17 goals at Old Trafford across all competitions this season. 17 goals. The only player that's ever beaten that in a single season was Wayne Rooney back in 2012 when he scored 19 at Old Trafford. Why is Rashford the man right now? What's changed? Because a year ago, we were all expecting him to be on his bike to Paris.
2: The gaffer's changed. That's what it is. It's the gaffer. It's the boss, the governor. You know what it is, Ian, man. I, I've always been a firm believer in great leadership starts from up top. And I think, like you said, Eric Ten Hag's gone in there and he's shown what a leader, a manager and a coach he is. You know, we saw the absence of Jordan with, with Jaden Sancho. We didn't know what happened. And I've got my own um, opinions on that, on, on what happened mm-hmm. with him. And mm-hmm. again, it comes from a manager, a manager that really has that personal connections with his players. He protects his players. He's let Marcus Rashford finally identify what makes him so great. And Marcus Rashford is responding to it. That's for me. He's responding to a manager that's really put his hand around him. And I love Vic's comment. No, Vic, he's not eating fufu. Marcus Rashford, I believe, is uh, (laughs) of uh, Caribbean heritage. Uh, Fufu is probably eaten by uh, someone else. I used to eat fufu too, Vic. But anyway. Um, I I honestly just feel it's it's when you find the right place, Ian. And and I think this manager's made him find the right place at the club. And even with that, Ian, look at Ganacho. Look at what we saw from Ganacho when he first had his opportunity to now Ganacho when he comes on. So there's already a difference in him. And it all comes from the manager. He's taking responsibility. He's not letting his players. He's taking full responsibility. He's being honest with the press. They, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't a great performance. I expect better. I want more. He's not putting it on the players. And I know players who've been in that dressing room under past managers. And it's yeah. obvious to see when they've told me, when we win, it's all him. When we lose, it's all us. That doesn't happen at Manchester United no more. This is a manager that's stepping in there and saying, aim your guns, arrows, whatever it is aim it at me. I take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the players are responding to that. There isn't everyone on their own individual island. And you can see by the, the performances. I think that plays a big part
0: yeah no doubt about it and you mentioned garnacho there just a moment ago and when i was looking through him getting prepared for this show and for the games that are coming up i did notice this was a headline that he apparently turned up to training today with bleach blonde hair now my immediate thought to your point is what's the gaffer gonna say when he walks into training with bleach blonde hair because you know what gaffers like him are like right they have full control of their team And when you look like you're out of control in any way or you look like you stand out, could you imagine what Fergie
2: would have done had a player rolled up like bleach blonde hair? 100%. He ain't playing. He he ain't playing. Dye your hair back. You're not playing. (laughs) You're not going to play for me with that. Uh, Or or if he really likes him as a personal relationship, he would say, listen, you better perform because if you don't perform, you're not going to play for a long time. You're going to sit on the bench. And it's one of those ones where the whole team and squad is doing so well as well now. So, You can't risk that. You can't risk these kind of silly things, but he's young. He's learning. But as long as the manager takes responsibility and has full control of it, it will be fine. Do you know what Fergie would
0: have done? And I've had many uh, a conversation uh, with Fergie when I was a young, young teenager, as a uh, young, young teenager, a schoolboy I was at Manchester United, just talking football with Fergie and just being around Manchester United as a schoolboy. It was always fun to listen to stories about Alex Ferguson. I can guarantee you that Alex Ferguson would have said to him, you
2: better play well, mate. And if you have a shocker, Ian, he wouldn't have done that with Alex Ferguson. He wouldn't have dyed the hair. No, that's, just, <laughs> that's the fact. That's what I was But the, the thing we've got to understand is this. we got to give credit to Eric Ten Hag. And people have to understand, and I don't just say it. People have to really understand. This generation of footballers is so different to how we grew up and what we went through. You have yeah. to understand that. It's more of a real personal connection. Certain things you might not agree with, You just have to find another way that you can communicate with these younger players to understand what's at stake while still staying true to yourself. But the older generation, he wouldn't have had to worry about Alex Ferguson. He would have had to worry about the players in the dressing room, other senior players who would have absolutely destroyed him before even Ferguson got to see him.
0: Yeah yeah no doubt about it I mean those were the days Nigel all the stories we could tell about the dressing room back in the days we're almost done Nigel great show as always Uh, before we do go I just want to touch upon the fact that yesterday's performance by Real Madrid was sensational there's many individual brilliant performances in that game Vinny Junior stands out Karim Benzema stands out but there was two players that got an ovation from the Liverpool fans and of course it was uh, Luka Modric and Karim Benzema I know you're a huge fan of Modric and what he has done for this game and still continuing to do for this game but at Anfield to get uh, a reception like those two players did do it's quite unique and quite special
2: I'm just wondering Nigel did you ever get a reception like that at Anfield (laughs) not at Anfield I did years ago though Uh, I'm telling you when I first came onto the scene I did get a great reception at Old Trafford when I was 19 and there was rumors of stuff this is another story we can go into but I'm not going to go into it because apparently last time I was talking about Liverpool I got hammered by a a keyboard warrior named Albert Yeah, yeah, yeah. And (laughs) He said to me that I wasn't good enough to play for Liverpool. I'm always hating on Liverpool, but I guess Albert's gone missing now. He's hiding under a rock somewhere after he came for me and I told him.
0: (laughs) Real quickly, give me your your prediction, please, on this game. Do Manchester United go through and how do they get through? Manchester
2: United go through and I think it's going to be another close encounter. I I see Manchester United going through 2-1. 2-1. Any other predictions or any other games that stands out to you? Obviously, you've got Union Berlin, Ajax 0-0 tied right now. Roma behind to Salzburg. I was going to say, I see an upset with Roma and I've heard that obviously there's grumblings with the fan base now at Roma now starting to boo. So I don't know if uh, Jose still got the magic to keep it going at Roma, but there's some grumblings there and I can see Salzburg probably doing Roma. It'll be interesting to
0: see because Tammy Abraham came off the field as well in the last game. And he might have to wear a face protector, obviously, going into this game. Hopefully, he does start. Monaco Leverkusen is another one that should be quite tasty. And as JJ pointed out, not against Juventus. That one's tied 1-1 from the first game. Now Juve have to go to France. Juventus, you're not convinced on them this season, are you? Nah,
2: definitely not convinced on Juventus. You're not even convinced on Juventus. (laughs)
0: I'm not I, I think that the 15 point reduction for them is pretty hardcore right I mean that's a really difficult
2: thing for a lot of hardcore. Come on no 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 let's let's not do that let's not do that Ian Why you run a club run it properly there's rules and regulations there if you try and cheat don't get caught you got caught and it's not the first time you've been caught and there's it's so obvious how you can get caught because of how your club is being on the stock exchange there's certain things so I don't understand why you even did it in the first place so I don't feel no sympathy for them. You did what you did, you got caught. And just like I will not feel no sympathy for Manchester City, whatever punishment they get, if they get found guilty.
0: Yeah, but you don't feel guilty for the players in particular because you put yourself in that position where you're at Juve. You're challenging for a Champions League spot. Hold on. You're challenging yeah. for a Champions League spot and you're in domestically doing well. I know you're not going to catch Napoli in any way, but you're probably going to finish second or third in the table. You've got European competition, so you can take all of that competence and put it into European competition. I will say this. Since that point deduction,
2: Juve haven't looked like they're a confident side at all. They look like a totally different team. You do feel sorry for the players, but I think as players, you've got to know it's not something that you did. What can you do as players? You're not managing the books. You're not doing the the financial side of the game. You're there to perform. And let's not act like they were running away with the Serie A and going to win Serie A and then they got 15. They were still playing catch-up. Their performances haven't been that great. They haven't been performing that great in Champions League. But at the end of the day, whenever these type of situations occur, as players, you know, it's not something that we can control. You know, everyone's no one's going to look at the players. It's going to be the people who are running this club. And that's how I see it. Great point,
0: Nigel. Great stuff as always. I appreciate you, mate. Um, I do feel for them. But real quickly, do Juventus go through or do they go out?
2: Juventus go out, mate. (laughs) They go out.
0: I managed to fish it in from you there. I appreciate you (laughs) all stuff as well. Uh, Listen, great stuff, Nigel, this week. Fantastic to have you on. As always, love doing work with you. Um, Hopefully, Mike can get his... uh, mic fixed at some point in the near future uh, that we can actually hear what he's saying again it doesn't sound like a strobe light at a techno club um, but of course JJ and James Bench great stuff this week if you haven't seen our theory on re-interview myself and James Bench it was fantastic it dropped on Tuesday so go back and check out House of Champions on the YouTube page um, and make sure you go and watch it because it was brilliant thanks in partnership with Lays um, and we also had some great content this week around the Champions League but we will be back Nigel on Friday very early in the morning. It is the draw that's coming up in the Europa League. We're really excited for that one as well. So to everybody out there, thank you so much for watching. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Nigel Rio Coker, you're the best, man. I'll see you next time.